Acts 14. <clears throat> now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derb, cities of Lycona, Lyconia, and, the, and to the surrounding country, and there they continued to preach the gospel. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw that Paul, what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd crying, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you, and we bring to you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with good food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, having persuaded the crowds they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went with Barnabas to Derb. When they had preached the gospel to, to that city and had made the, many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they combined, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they spoke the word in Pegra, they went down to Attila. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door to faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. May God bless the reading of his word. I want to invite Minister Pat up this morning to preach.
Good morning, Crossbridge. Uh, it is quite the feat to be reading so many verses, but it's important to always put God's Word in front of us. And so uh, I hope that you will bear with the longer readings. Um, it is truly a value that we uphold here at CBCGB. So this morning, we pick up from where we left off in the new sermon series uh, to the ends of the earth. Last week, we saw how the apostle used encouragement both creatively and powerfully. Paul used encouragement to build a bridge to the people he was trying to reach. Paul laid its foundation with their shared history and beliefs. And after founding that common ground, Paul showed them how history is really his story or God's story, and that Jesus is a hero of that story. With that bridge built, all that was left was to invite them to cross over and come to Jesus. With um, the true promise of forgiveness and freedom from sin, he cheered them on. He encouraged them to turn away from their old ways and place their faith in Jesus. And that brings us to where we are in Acts chapter 14. Today, we continue the missionary journey of apostles as they spread the gospel and perform miracles throughout the western region of modern-day Turkey. Despite facing opposition and persecution, they continue to preach and heal people, strengthening the church and leading many to believe in Jesus. Our text ends with Paul and Barnabas returning to their home city and sharing all that God had done through them through their missionary journey. But throughout their mission, they faced many trials and tribulations. How did they manage to persist and push through setbacks to fulfill their mission? It came down to perseverance. So today, we'll see how the apostles' perseverance enabled them to remain unshaken by oppression, unbroken by stones, and triumphant as the mission went from hardship to harvest. But first, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, bless your word and pour out your truth, courage, and conviction into our hearts by your Holy Spirit that we might become more like your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. First, unshaken by opposition. Paul and Barnabas preached the good news in Iconium. The last chapter ended with the Jews who refused to believe, leading some people to rise up against the apostles at Antioch in Pisidia. Our chapter begins here in verse 1 with the words, now at Iconium, signaling that Barnabas and Paul have moved on from that previous event. Now, do you find it curious that though those Jews stirred up the locals against them, that both Paul and Barnabas decided to stay, and stay, in fact, for a long time? Why would they do that? because they saw God was at work in the city. Here is an all-too-common example. When you follow Jesus and share the good news, 
not everyone will like you just because you're a Christian. But you must make up your mind and not let that affect your ministry or your relationships. Just like the disciples, you can choose to remain focused on your mission to make disciples and help people grow in their faith. Discipleship is not merely about sharing the gospel, but it's teaching people how to live as Christians in all areas of life. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, you become a disciple of Christ. Becoming a Christian happens in a moment. But learning to follow Christ a life is a lifelong process that takes much time and effort. Paul understood that and embraced the challenges and difficulties of preaching and teaching in a hostile environment. You see, the locals were agitated and their minds poisoned against Paul and Barnabas. Yet the apostles stayed a long time. The author uses their example to encourage us to remain strong and speak boldly for the Lord. God showed support for their preaching and sharing of his grace by doing amazing things with miracles by their hands. These amazing things were signs and wonders that nudged people along on their spiritual journey. Now, what is a sign? A sign is something that gives information and points you in a right direction. Sometimes God provides a miraculous sign, but our focus should not be on the supernatural, but on the sign and what it's trying to tell us. Now, here the author Luke presents our first lesson, the importance of miracles in the witness of God. The signs and wonders served as proof of the people, to the people, that the word of God is not just spoken, but demonstrated by the power of God. The opposition against them gradually grew stronger over time, even though they stayed for a long period. As stated in verse 4, the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaonia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Now, as we've seen so far, Barnabas and Paul have spread the good news about Jesus to people who didn't know about him, while many local people opposed what they were saying and doing. Now, did that stop Paul and Barnabas? Of course not. They didn't give up. They kept trying to help people understand and believe in Jesus, even though it was hard. They persevered, which means they kept going and didn't stop because things were hard. Now, that's really an important lesson for us all to remember. Even when things are hard, we should keep trying and not give up. But there are some common misconceptions about perseverance, and these verses offer us perspective and insight to resolve that confusion. Stubbornness and perseverance are sometimes confused because they are similar, but they're quite distinct. Stubbornness is when you refuse to change 
the approach or strategy, even when it's clear that what you're doing isn't working. It's much like when you play a sport and you keep trying to make the same move over and over again, even though it's not working. You don't listen to your coach and, and you're not changing your game plan. You just keep doing the same thing over and over again. That's stubbornness. On the other hand, perseverance is when you keep trying to achieve your goal, so that might look the same, even when it's hard or when things don't go the way you planned. It's like you're, when you're competing, you continue to practice and work hard even though you're not winning all the time. You don't give up. You keep trying and trying until you finally succeed, and that is perseverance. In other words, the difference between stubbornness and perseverance is that stubbornness is about refusing to change your approach, even when it's not working, while perseverance is about continuing to try and try again, even when things are hard. You see, in Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas are not stubborn. They persevered even though they faced opposition. They kept trying to spread the good news about Jesus, but they were also willing to change their approach and strategy as necessary. And that's a really important point to note. Persevering means you keep trying and remain willing to change your approach when it's not working. By their perseverance, the apostles were unshaken by opposition. Next, unbroken by stones, auspiciously, verses 19 to 20, but to understand what happens in those verses where Paul was stoned and to understand how he survived, we need to look at those preceding verses. Verse 8 to 10, now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. Here's yet another sign and wonder. What was its purpose? We know it's a sign, but what was its point and what was it pointing to? Of course, it's a miraculous healing. A man who was crippled from birth suddenly springs up and walks on command. The locals see this and they start to freak out. The miracle and sign authenticates the preaching and witness of the apostle. There is divine power in the preaching of God's word that led to this healing. But there's more here than another instance of power preaching. This miracle sets the stage for Luke's second lesson for his readers. It's about the danger of seeing a miraculous sign and misinterpreting it. Look at how the locals respond to the healing. Verse 11 reads, And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lycaonian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Some of you might remember these names from lessons on Greek mythology. The misidentification of Barnabas and Paul as Zeus and Hermes provides us a clue of what's happening and the history 
of Lystra. Now, because they were speaking in this dialect, Lycaonian, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, neither Paul nor Barnabas understood what was being said. They are relying on context. But at the sight of the priest of Zeus coming from the temple of Zeus, leading these bulls that had these garlands around their necks to the city gates for slaughter, Paul and Barnabas quickly figured things out. In the city of Lystra, we learned from history and from archaeology that the people believed a particular myth. They believed that the gods Zeus and Hermes came to their land disguised as poor people. They roamed from house to house seeking kindness, but there was only one elderly couple who took, him, took them in. And as a reward for the couple's kindness, Zeus and Hermes spared the couple and turned their home into a temple. Could you imagine that? And more so, that temple grew and grew and grew, literally wiping out everything in its path, destroying the city. Now, sometimes myths lead to irrational fear of supernatural causality or bad luck. We have a word for that fear of unknown, unseen, power of magical influence. Do you know what it is? It's a superstition. For example, it's that fearful belief that if I break a mirror, I've got seven years of bad luck. That's superstition. And in Lystra, the tragic events that birthed the myth established the superstition of Zeus and Hermes. It's why Paul's miraculous sign of healing triggered the locals to fear that Zeus and Hermes had returned, that they offered the apostles sacrifices and they honored him out of fear, that because they didn't know that these weren't Hermes and Zeus, they, they worried that if they failed to recognize them and to worship them, that it would lead to their city's destruction. So, how do Paul and Barnabas address the people's superstition? We see the apostles' response in verse 14, and there we also find Luke's third lesson. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Luke wants you to see the importance of correcting false and baseless beliefs. The apostles tear their garments, which is a sign of grief and horror. They rush into the crowds. They're trying to get the crowd's attention. And there in verse 15, you find an effective countermeasure to superstition. It's bringing in reality and truth. The apostles attempt to bring the crowds back into reality by saying, hey, we're just mere men. And they preach the truth, which is the good news of the one living God who made everything that they see, the sky, the ground, and all the waters that are around them. And as Christians... It's important that you gently but firmly address baseless beliefs or superstitions because those can distract from or undermine 
the foundation of faith in God. Superstitions can lead to confusion, false expectations, and fear because superstitions have no basis in biblical teachings or the teachings of Jesus. Faith in God is built on trust and obedience to his will. Correct beliefs strengthen your faith in God and deepens your relationship with him. You see, in verse 18, the apostles could not restrain the crowd. The people were driven by their myths and superstitions, and it was difficult to intervene and correct their baseless beliefs. Despite their preaching and teaching, the crowd at Lystra remained stubborn in their superstitions. So we finally arrive at these two interesting verses. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. What is going on here? Did Paul just appear dead and he was left for dead? Or was he dead and was raised? You see, Luke's nonchalant reporting leads us, leaves us confused. You'd think in either case it'd be a big deal, right? Whether Paul was dead and raised or after a near-death stoning, Paul was able to stand up and walk away? See, Luke's apparent ambivalence here is mysterious, but his message is nonetheless clear. Apostle Paul remained unbroken by stones. Finally, through perseverance that left them unshaken by opposition and unbroken by stones, the apostle persevered through hardship to bring in the harvest of new believers. And this will bring us to the end of the text. Verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. So the apostles are in Derby and experiencing some success in preaching the gospel and teaching believers. But don't miss what just was stated here. They return the way they came via Lystra, Iconium, and then Antioch of Pisidia. Why do they do that? Don't they realize they're going the wrong way? They're heading west when home is east. Or don't they realize that returning to those cities meant they would be returning into those arms of the Jews that were ready to harm them? Why did they go back? And here we find Luke's fourth lesson. The apostles showed importance of equipping and encouraging the church. They helped the new church Churches grow in faith and mature as Jesus' followers. This example reminds us to see ways that we can be better together in our scripture-driven and servant-hearted growth and maturity. Verse 22 tells us what they did. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Here we encounter an important but inconvenient truth. 
we must go through what? Tribulations. And we must go through those tribulations if we have a desire, a hope, a promise to enter into the kingdom of God. So if that is true, Crossbridge, why do we run away from it? Why do we run away? There's no way around it. There's no way under it. We can't go over it. We must go through tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. God's word tells us if we want to enter the kingdom of God, you must go through tribulation. God never intended his people to be an untested people. We were never called to worldly peace or earthly pleasure, freedom from sickness, nor the pains of mortality. God calls us to follow Jesus, not our delights, but in God's economy. When we seek God first, he also gives us his delights. None of our predecessors escaped tribulation, so why should we? Consider these biblical figures, Job, Noah, Moses, Abraham, David, Daniel, Mary. Consider these biblical offices, patriarch, prophets, apostles, martyrs. All were made to pass through the fire of affliction. Preacher Charles Spurgeon frames it best. It is ordained that of old, that the cross of trouble should be engraved on every vessel of mercy as the royal mark whereby the king's vessel of honor are distinguished. Do you bear that mark? I hope you do. How would you feel if someone told you the best things in life are the result of being wounded? Rice must be crushed before it becomes noodles or dumplings. Soybeans must be pureed before becoming milk. Incense must be burned before it releases its fragrance. And the ground must be broken up by a heavy and sharp plow before it will receive the seed. Literally, we must consider these things. Anything, take for example the rose. Anything that we do to a rose is what is going to do what? Those of you that are familiar, it releases its fragrance. Whether it's being pounded by rain or blown by the wind and it tears apart, it releases its fragrance. But any of you that have been to a wedding, you know. What did they throw onto the aisles? Rose petals. Why? Because when you step on them, you crush them and you release its fragrance. Jesus knows and cherishes every single petal that has been crushed on behalf of him. But how is that any comfort for us? We are comforted knowing the Father sent his only Son, sent his only Son, Jesus Christ, to walk this way ahead of us. We are comforted by God's presence and by his grace we are encouraged. By his example, we learn to endure. And when we reach heaven, 
all the hardships that we have faced along the way will feel worth it. All the suffering will be forgotten in the joy and peace that we will find there. And in James chapter 1, verse 12, we find this assurance. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. If we endure trials and temptations with faith and love for God, we will receive that spiritual reward, that crown of life. It represents the ultimate reward for those who remain faithful to God, even in the face of opposition and adversity. And so let me make one last point here that will take us to the end of our text. I find it fitting what Luke writes in verse 23. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atatalia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they, that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. This is Luke's final lesson in chapter 14. As Paul traveled and spread the good news of Jesus Christ, he did not just leave behind those new converts. He ensured that they had support and guidance needed to grow in faith. Paul understood the importance of equipping and encouraging the members of the new churches he had established. So what did he do? He appointed elders. These leaders were there to operate autonomously, not, but not independently. Autonomously, but not independently. What does that mean? It means that the church was free to operate on its own but still within certain constraints and limitations. The church had a certain degree of freedom, but it was not complete independence. We can learn from Paul's example to be better together. We strive to strengthen and build up our church, equipping and encouraging one another in our faith. We help each other to grow and mature as followers of Christ, just as Paul gave that early, those early churches, the gift of elders, we can raise up Crossbridge elders, can we not, to fortify our faith journey. May we never forget the importance of equipping and encouraging one another in our walk with Jesus. Today we saw in verse 22, we must go through many tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. We learned how Christians stay strong in their beliefs while following Jesus, even when things don't go the way they want. When life gets hard, and I promise you it will, perseverance enables you to reach the goal of your faith. Perseverance is essential for your faith in Jesus. Verse 22 tells you that if you want to enter God's kingdom, you must persevere. You must keep trying and not give up despite the tribulations. That's what Barnabas and Paul did here, and that's what you and I are encouraged to do too. They remind us to persevere and hold on to Jesus. 
may you all grow in faith and understanding and find Jesus cheering you on to perseverance through every trial and tribulation. Please join me in prayer. Father in heaven, we seek your blessing on our ministries. May you give us ears to hear not only those who support, but also those who oppose us. Reveal yourself so we may see, believe, and persevere. By your sovereign care, may we become unshakable, unbreakable, and triumphant as we follow the leading of your spirit. Shake us out of any complacency in our spiritual lives or our ministries. Give us focus and fortitude to press ahead in the face of opposition. Show us how you continue to work even in the difficulties of our ministries. We seek to become more faithful so that our ministries become more fruitful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.